20. Proverbs 24, 1 through 20. Be not thou envious against evil men, neither desire to be with them. For their hearts study of destruction, and their lips talk of mischief. Through wisdom is a house built, and by understanding it is established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is strong, yea, a man of knowledge increaseth strength. For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in the multitude of counselors there is safety. Wisdom is too high for a fool. He openeth not his mouth in the gate. He that deviseth to do evil shall be called a mischievous person. The thought of foolishness is sin, and the scorner is an abomination to men. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death, and those that are ready to be slain, if thou sayest, Behold, we knew it not, does not he that pondereth the heart consider it? And he that keepeth thy soul, doth he not know it? And shall not he render to every man according to his works? My son, eat thou honey, because it is good, and honeycomb, which is sweet to the taste. So shall the knowledge of wisdom be unto thy soul. When thou hast found it, then there shall be a reward, and thy expectation shall not be cut off. Lay not wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Spoil not his resting place. For a just man falleth seven times and rises up again. But the wicked shall fall into mischief. Rejoice not when thy enemy falleth, and let not thy heart be glad when he stumbleth. Lest the Lord see it, and it displease him, and he turneth away his wrath from him. Fret not thyself because of evil men, neither be thou envious at the wicked. For there shall be no reward to the evil man. The candle of the wicked shall be put out. You may be seated. Now, and it's good to have our beautiful children with us. Good to see Tricia and Will here today with your three boys. You know, it's really a blessing to have with us uh, Teresa Isaac, so faithful, coming to our church, and she gathers together her four, uh, at least four, and sometimes she comes with, she got a whole troop comes with Teresa. She's a real blessing, and she has two such beautiful, fine, I should say a handsome and a beautiful grandson and a granddaughter, uh, CJ and Ayana, and then also Elsa comes, and then other times uh, other family members as well come. And so uh, that takes a lot of work, but praise God that you're here and everyone had to kind of come their own way, and it's not easy to come to church, right? Uh, I see uh, Anthony and... And Ada, you guys came from the, the light at the end of the tunnel today? That's New Jersey. You came from New, did you come from Jersey or the Bronx today? Oh, from Jersey, okay. And uh, Sister Esther came all the way from San Francisco. She just had to be back with us at Heritage Baptist Church. Uh, Esther, it is so good to see you. And, and I was really hoping you would come back to us in New York. I wasn't sure if you would just get caught up in San Francisco and say, oh, it's nice here. It's nice there, I know. And some beautiful people in that church. And, and I know that they love you very much, Esther. But don't forget, we love you too, all right? Okay. Proverbs chapter 24. I really have a desire, a real burden on my heart to just encourage you today. Because this passage is so encouraging and strengthening to our heart. And I want you to feel the strength of the Lord. Maybe you feel like you're down today, or maybe you've fallen in some kind of a situation. But the message today is how the righteous rise up from the ashes. And let's read this passage of Scripture, Proverbs chapter 24. There's really two verses that stick together here, verse 15 and 16. And I'd like for us to read them out loud together, and then we'll pray as we begin. Proverbs chapter 24, verses 15 and 16. The righteous rise up from the ashes. Lay not wait, O wicked man. Let's read it together. Lay not wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Spoil not his resting place. For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. 
but the wicked shall fall into mischief. And so let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. And dear God, thank you for the encouragement and the strength that you bring to us. That, yea, there are wicked people in this world who seek to bring us down and even may cause us to fall up to seven times. But, Lord, the righteous rise up again out of the ash of defeat. So thank you, Lord, and help us to know that you are with us. And when we're saved by the power of the blood of Jesus, by the power of the resurrection of Jesus, we're born again and we're righteous. We are this just man that may fall seven times, but we rise up again. We are this righteous man that you protect and watch over when we're in Jesus Christ, who is our righteousness. So now, bless us today. May your word live in our hearts and encourage every, every heart, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm sure you've seen a boxing match and the, the, the boxer knocks out his opponent. This is one of the most famous knockouts in boxing history. When Muhammad Ali knocked out, do you remember who? Who, who that is down on the mat? Sonny Liston who was the champion, and I believe Muhammad Ali, then Cassius Clay, became the champion. But Sonny Liston was down. And, of course, when the, the fighter goes down, what does the referee begin to do? He begins to count. One, two, three. And the, and the fighter can rise up if, he, if he's able. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And that's what I'm reminded of in this text. It's it's as if the the righteous, the just man or woman have fallen. And they're down for the count. That's the idea. They're down for the count. And it looks like it's impossible for you to rise up again. It's at the point of impossible. And then it says the righteous rise up again. This verse says that a just man falls seven times. Seven is that number of completion. It's, it's like almost he hit the ten count. Nine and a half. Nine point seven. Nine point eight. Nine point nine. He rises up just when it was impossible. It seemed like he was completely down. He was done. He was toast. It was over. But the righteous rise up seven times when it seems like he's down for the count. A cat has how many lives? I don't know why a cat has nine. It should be seven. A cat should have seven lives. But anyway, a cat, they say, has... So it's like the cat is he's on his ninth life and he's dead, you know? But the cat rises up again. That's the idea. It just seems like there's no way you can rise up from this defeat or fall. There's no human way for it to happen. But this verse gives us hope. The righteous... The just man falls seven times and riseth up again. Now the just man is a born again man or woman. The just is one who is forgiven. The just is one who is a child of God. The the just is one who believes on the Lord, who is trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. This just man is the one who doesn't go in the way of the wicked. And Proverbs talks about those two paths over and over again. There's the path of the wicked and the path of the just. The path of the foolish and the path of the wise. So this is the just man. Sometimes the just man falls. And he's down for the ten count. But he rises up again. Because the Lord is with him. I want you to believe that. That God can do that. I want you to have a steely resolve to never stay down. If you feel down spiritually, never stay down. When is it time to quit? Never time to quit. Never in the name of Jesus Christ can we go back to where we used to walk and live the way we used to live. Never go back to the way, the sinful way of this world. Never go back to old patterns and old ways of life. Now, there are wicked in this world. This passage actually says that there are wicked people in the world. And what are they trying to do to the righteous one in verse 15? What's the wicked man trying to do? He's trying to ambush. He's trying to spoil. He's trying to steal. He's trying to kill. He's trying to bring down the righteous. That's what verse 15 says. And you know what? It seems like he succeeds. It seems like the righteous falls. The wicked gets the righteous to fall. So it seems that he's successful. 
But God is actually, verse 15, 16, God is actually still talking to the wicked man. God is saying to the wicked man, you might get that righteous person to fall. And you might think you got him down, but I, I, I'm telling you right now, he's not going to stay down. He's going to rise up. The righteous rise up from the ashes. The righteous don't stay down. They might look like they're down. They might suffer setbacks. There will be reversals. There will be difficulties. But there's recovery. There is victory in Jesus Christ. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers them out of some of them. No, out of them all. Psalm 145, beautiful psalm. Verse 14, the Lord upholdeth all that fall. So, you're going to fall at times in this life. People, situations, circumstances are going to happen. And it's going to knock you down. It's going to throw you for a loop. And, and you might be discouraged and depressed. But the, the Lord will uphold you. And then it says, He will raise up all those that be bowed down. And Psalm 37, 24, the song we sang, and this is why we sang that song. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. In other words, not cast down to the place where he cannot or will not rise up. Because the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. And when the Lord upholdeth you with his hand, what is he going to do? He's going to raise you up. He's going to raise you up. That's our hope. So I want us to look at just a few examples. There are so many examples, like we're not even going to touch on Job, who literally was in the ash heap, and he was down, but he rose up out of the ashes. We're not even going to talk about Job. We're not going to talk about Jonah. He was down, 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 deep down in Whale Bottom Cemetery. He thought he was, Job thought he was like the, he was the living dead. Uh, Jonah, I'm just sorry, Jonah. And, and yet, he came, he rose up, that, that great whale spit Jonah back out of its mouth, and he rose up out of that situation. And if Job could rise up out of that ash heap, when even his wife is telling him to do what? Curse God and die. And when Jonah was swallowed by a whale and was in the belly of that fish for three days and three nights, he was dead as dead, but he, he was raised up. So we rise as well. A just man falleth seven times and riseth again. So let's look at just a few examples, simple examples. Go with me to Genesis chapter 37. I really just want to encourage you today. I don't want to preach anything deep or dark or hard to understand. I just want to be very simple, clear and plain this morning. And I want us to see first of all that if you're in a place of darkness, the Lord can raise you up and bring you back to the light. If you're in that place of darkness, He can raise you up again. If you're in the ash heap of, of uncertainty in your life, a time of darkness where you, you just can't see, maybe you can't see the Lord, maybe you can't see what God is doing in your life. And yes, you're even saying, Lord, why is this happening? You know what Isaiah chapter 50 verse 10 says? It says, who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of His servant, that's Jesus Christ, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? Sometimes that's the way that it is to live the Christian life. You, you just feel like you're walking in, in a dark path. In other words, there's no light. You don't see what God is doing and you don't feel the presence of the Lord in your life. Things are, are, are dark and difficult for you. And Isaiah goes on to say, it says, let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. So even in these times when you've fallen into a, into a dark pit like Joseph did, and everybody hates you as Joseph's brothers hated him. We're going to talk about it on our radio. Looking forward to tonight. We're going to have grace on our radio program tonight. For the, for the first time, we're really going to have grace with us. Vinny will have grace by his side. And Vinny needs grace. Vinny needs a lot of grace by his side. I always tease him about that. But we're looking forward to that, to have Vinny and Grace Abrazisi with us. But just think of Joseph's brothers. You know what, you know what Joseph did to his brothers? When they saw Joseph in that special coat that his father made for him. 
Joseph triggered his brothers to such hatred and envy, they couldn't even talk to him in a humanly reasonable way. Is there anybody like that in your life? You just trigger, some, you just trigger somebody, you don't even know why? <laughs> Sometimes the children of God walking in the light can trigger those who walk in the darkness. And they hated Joseph, they hated his coat, they hated his dreams, they hated him. And then, and then when they saw him walking afar off, it says, Ha, the dreamer cometh. And they start plotting how they're going to kill him. And so you know what they did. They ripped that coat off of Joseph and they threw him down into that, into that pit. And there he was in that dark pit. He fell into darkness. Judah and Reuben kind of tried to intercede, but it was heartless and it, it didn't work. What Reuben had tried to keep Joseph from being killed anyway. And, and Judah interceded then to say, well, let's, let's sell him for silver. And so they sold him, and you know the story, they sold him into slavery. That's dark, man. Can you imagine being so hated, going into that dark pit, and then being thrown into slavery? But you know, you couldn't keep Joseph down. And the whole life of Joseph can really be written in one sentence. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord upheld Joseph in every situation, in every dark time he went through. The Lord was with him. Are you in a dark time today? Maybe you're really in a sense where you don't, you don't see what's going to happen this, this week coming. And, and you're worried and you're fearful. But the Lord has you in His hand. And He will uphold you. And He will raise you up. So rest in Him. So Joseph fell into the darkness. I call it of abuse. This is a clear case of domestic violence against a, a young boy whose mother had died and his stepbrothers all hated him. His stepmothers probably didn't like him very much more. But of course, he was beloved of his father, but it couldn't overcome all of the, the envy that everyone else had against Joseph. And he was abused. And there's a lot of abuse in our society, a lot of abuse in our culture. Have you gone through abuse, dear friend? And it puts you in a dark place. And you wonder how you're going to make it through. The Lord is with you. He will uphold you with His hand. He is, and He's going to take even that abuse and He's going to turn it around to bring forth His perfect plan. Because God actually used the abuse of Joseph's brothers to get him into Egypt so he could rise up to be the king, if you will, the prime minister of Egypt. And abuse is a horrible thing. But the wrath of man can even work to the praise of God. And whatever cannot work for the praise of God in your life, He will not allow it to happen. The wrath of man came against Jesus Christ. And He was abused. And He was hated. And He was envied. But, but those who hated Him and envied Him couldn't keep Him down. He rose up from the dead. He rose up from the tomb. Jesus Christ rose up from His abuse. Joseph rose up from his abuse. And you can too because God rules. As Joseph said at the end of his life, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good. Because God is good. Romans 8.28 All things work together. And we know, let me quote it right, and we know that all things work together for good. To them that Love the Lord to them who are the called according to His purpose. That's the called. The ones who love the Lord. Those are the righteous. Those are the just. Those are the forgiven. Those are the child of God. God rules. He's sovereign. The second thing I want us to look at, go to Joshua, and we're going to read some of the verses here. Go to Joshua chapter 7. And I want us to just focus for a few moments on Joshua who fell into really defeat here in Joshua chapter 7. And you know these stories. You know how Israel defeated that very powerful fenced city with mighty walls. One of the very cities that they probably came when they surveyed the land and said, well, we can never defeat the giants that are there in, in that land of Canaan. But their walls are so tall and mighty and strong and powerful. But those mighty powerful walls fell down flat 
when the people of God shouted after marching around them, you know, for seven days. And that was the city of Jericho. And so the next city was a small little town. And it was a city in Joshua chapter 7. If you look in verse number 2, what's the last word of verse 2 of Joshua chapter 7? Verse 2, last word. They went to view where? Ai. And it was as small as, it, as the name itself. Two letters, Ai. It was a small town. And so the report came back to Joshua. The intelligence report came back to Joshua from the spies. And they said, we don't have to send everybody up. This, is a, this town is a piece of cake. We got this covered. And so after their stunning defeat against a mighty powerful enemy, they trusted God against this smaller inferior enemy. They're not, they don't think they have to trust God. They became overconfident and self-dependent. That's a real lesson for us. We need God for the really big problems we face, but we need God for the small problems too. Because the small problem could overwhelm you if you don't trust God. So they became overconfident. They underestimated the enemy, the town of Ai. They failed to pray. They didn't examine themselves. That's why, by the way, we take the Lord's Supper... The Lord's Supper is so important for us because we need to self-examine, don't we? We need to say, Lord, is there any sin in my life? And get it out. Get it clean. Because I don't want my sin to, to, to bring a blight to this church. I don't want my sin to hold back this church from God's blessing. And, and you don't want your sin to hold back a revival from, from this church. We want to be clean before the Lord. So anyway, they weren't clean. They didn't examine themselves. They didn't confess their sin because there was sin. Remember, Achan had stolen stuff, gold and silver. And he, he, he stole that designer piece of clothing. That Babylonian, oh, that is a cool piece of clothing. I've got to have that Babylonian garment. And so it was, they, took, they took it and then they went to go fight against Ai. And they were defeated. And men died. It says in verse 5, Ai smote them and killed, 30, and killed about 36 men. And now here's what I want you to read. Look with me in Joshua chapter 7, verse 6. And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord. And that's what this picture, I tried to find a better picture. It's the best one I could find. There's the ark of the covenant. And there's Joshua and some of the leaders. They're fallen on their face before the ark of the Lord until the evening, and the elders of Israel, and they put dust upon their heads, so they were in the ashes of, and mourning. And, and Joshua basically says to God in verse 7, he says, why, wherefore hast thou brought this people over Jordan? Why did you do this? Isn't that what we all ask when we face defeat? Joshua fell into defeat. And when we, when we suffer defeat, we, we sometimes question if we're in the right place. Should we have done this? Let's say if you're, you're, you're going to take a major and you're going to go to school, and, but you fail the first exam or you fail the first a whole semester. You, you, you flunk out on that particular class. You might say, why am I taking this class? Why am I trying to be a nurse? Why am I going in this area of architecture? Why, I, I can't do this. I'm, I, why do you want me to do this, Lord? I'm defeated. Maybe you'll feel down like that. Examine yourself. Confess your sins when you're down in the dumps. So here was Joshua really down in the dumps, discouraged, saying, God, why have you brought us out over the Jordan? And then in, in verse 8, he says, what? What shall I say to the enemies? They're going to mock us and they're going to mock your name. You know what the Lord told Joshua when he was down? Look what God told Joshua. What in verse 10? What did the Lord tell Joshua in verse 10? Giddy up. <laughs> Get thee up. Get up, Joshua. Why are you lying upon your face? You know, sometimes God just has to come alongside you and in, in love, but with, with strength saying, You've been defeated, yeah, but get up. Don't let that defeat keep you down. And then the Lord speaks to him. What does God say in verse 11? What's the first three words of verse 11? What are those three words? Israel hath sinned. God saw it. Joshua didn't see it. So God is telling Joshua, listen up. Get up and listen. 
Listen to what I'm saying. There's an accursed thing in the midst. People have stolen and you've got to deal with that sin. And verse 13, then the Lord says what to Joshua? He says, up and do what? Sanctify the people. That is, clean up your life. So God told Joshua, here's what to do when you're down and defeated. Down in the dust of defeat. Get up. Listen up. And clean up your life. Sanctify yourself. Confess your sins. Get right with God. Repent. Joshua fell into that defeat. So when you've fallen down through self-dependence and overconfidence, maybe there needs to be repentance. A turning back to the Lord. Trusting in Him. And realize this, dear friend. If you fail in defeat, if you flunk a class, if you fail at a task on your job, and, and you're wondering even if your job is at stake. Remember this. Failure is not final. And failure is never fatal. Trust the Lord through that, those times of defeat. And even human failure. It's the courage to continue that counts. Have steely resolve. Don't quit. It's never time to quit. You'll never be successful if you allow failure to keep you down. Move through that failure. And don't lose enthusiasm. Trust the Lord with all your heart. When He's called you to do something, keep going. Keep moving. Keep working. God will bless you. I've been down many times in my life. As a church planner, sometimes things move a lot more slowly than one would think. After 25 years, even. Who would have thought I would still be preaching in a, in a, in a school, if you will. But this is God's plan for us. So we have to trust the Lord. And we can never give in. As, as Churchill told the nation of England when they were being bombed by Germany, never give in. Never, 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 never. Except in convictions of honor and good sense. So even when there's difficulty, an optimist sees the opportunity in the difficulty. See the opportunity. Don't be a pessimist and see the, the, the difficulty in the opportunity. Be an optimist and see the opportunity in the difficulty. What are you going to look for? Are you going to look at the opportunity? Or are you going to just focus on the difficulty and the defeat? Look at the opportunity. So rise up. Listen up. Clean up. Repent. Turn back to the Lord. Trust in Him. Now go to 1 Samuel chapter 30, please. 1 Samuel chapter 30. And you know, jo Joshua was down in the dumps and in the ashes, but he did rise up. And in the next chapter, they defeated Ai, and I like it. The Lord told them to hold this javelin forth, you know. A javelin is a picture of victory there. And he rose up trusting God, and God gave him the victory. Joshua conquered again, and he's a great conquering soldier. Military commander. First Samuel chapter 30. David fell into distress. What a narrative this is. In First Samuel chapter 30, we see again how the righteous rise from the ashes. Not only Joshua from the ashes of defeat, and Joseph rose up from the ashes of darkness and abuse. But here we see David rise up from the ashes of distress. David fell into distress. In this passage of Scripture, we see basically David lost everything. Now, he was going to be the king, but he wasn't the king yet. In this passage, David is still running from Saul. And he had actually gone down to the Philistines and was work, trying to work along with them. But basically they said, go back home. And so David went back to his home to Ziklag, and when he got back to Ziklag, what does it say at the end of chapter 30, verse 1, the last like four words of chapter 30? What does it say? All of Ziklag was what? Burned with fire. They, they burned the city down. And as they burned the city down, they burned David's house down to the ground. Can you imagine coming home and having your house burned down to the ground? But that wasn't even the worst thing. They burned it with fire... They didn't kill anyone, but they took everyone, the women and the children. What did they do? It says in verse 2, in that first sentence, what did they take them to be? They took them captive. They, they kidnapped this family. All the families of David and his mighty men, his, his other fellow army members. 
So his, his home was ambushed and burned with fire. His family, wives, and children were taken captive. And they weep, and they weep, and they weep, until it says in verse 4, you know, sometimes you can weep so much, you literally don't have tears left. It says they had no more power to weep at the end of verse number 4. So there was David in this deep distress. So his house was burned. The families were kidnapped. They had wept, wept and wept. And then the people, David's soldiers that had been so loyal to him, it says that they talked to David and what did they want to do to David? They wanted to stone him. And it says it somewhere in there. I know, you could help me. Where does it say that? In 6? Where David was... Yeah, all the people was grieved. And, and the people spoke of stoning him in verse 6. So, so they don't want David as their leader anymore. Now here's a man, he's been anointed to be the king. How's that going to work out? How's, how's that going to happen from the, from the dust heap of distress that David is in? So he was so distressed at this moment. Maybe he was even fearful of his life, but what does David do? What does David do? And I love the end of verse 6. What does it say? What does it say? This is what we have to do. David encouraged... Who, who encouraged David? He encouraged himself. Humanly speaking. What human being was there to put his arm around David and say, David, you're going to make it through. I'm with you, David. I don't want to stone you. I'm with you. And God, and God is... What human being was there at that moment to put his arm around David and say, David, God's going to work everything out. What human being was there for David at that moment? No one. No one. That's a very hard time. His family's kidnapped. His house is burned. Everybody's turning against him. They want to stone him. And David had nowhere to turn but in a sense to his, to his own heart and to the Lord Himself. And it says David encouraged himself. <laughs> do you know how to do that? Sometime, and actually, really, in, in these times of distress... People just may not know how to say the right thing to you at that right moment. And I could tell you, it is very hard. As a pastor, I wish I, I had the perfect words to say to each person who is going through their, their particular situation, but I feel that I never do. But I try to do my best sharing a scripture, sharing a prayer, offering my, my, my love and my understanding to the best of my human ability, but... Sometimes you just have to go to God because only God knows what you're going through. Only God. And you have to have that spiritual strength to encourage yourself in your own relationship with the Lord. Amen? So that's what we have to do when we fall into the ashes of distress. And here was David. He had fallen in great distress, but he encouraged himself and he sought the Lord. And he looked to God. And then he asked for Abiathar to come who was the priest, and he had this gar the, the holy garment, the priestly garment with the Urim and Thummim, and they could get God's wisdom and direction on this. And, and David said, shall I pursue after the troop? Can I overtake them? Will we be able to overtake them? And notice the beautiful promise that Abiathar does give to David. In verse 8 it says, He answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them. And what is it, what's the last phrase say of verse 8? What does it say? And without fail, recover all. Now, I, that encourages me. I like that. What have you lost? David lost everything. But the, the priest says, God's going to help you recover it all back. So, when you've fallen down through great loss, you can rise up out of the ashes. The righteous rise from the ashes and recover all. 
And David did. If you read the story, they recovered. He got his children back. They got their families back. And of course, David eventually becomes the king. He didn't, he didn't lose anything here. God helped David to recover all. David encouraged himself in the Lord. And even through great loss, he recovered all. So dear friends, Joseph fell into darkness. And he fell through abuse. But he, he rose up out of the ashes of abuse. And walked back in the light. Joshua fell into defeat because of his own self-dependence and not looking to the Lord. But they were able to rise up out of the ashes through repentance and see victory once again. And here David fell into great distress, great loss. He lost everything. But he recovered all as he encouraged himself in the Lord. And then we see Elijah. Go please to 1 Kings chapter number. 19, 1 Kings chapter number 19. And I love all these stories. I love the narratives of the Bible. I love the humanness of them. These are real people going through real situations, suffering in real time on on the same earth you and I are inhabiting. You know, these are real people. These are not fables. These are not legends. These are, these are actual people who, who suffered and who trusted God. And God delivered them and brought them through. And they were, yes, living out that, that word that we're looking at in Proverbs, a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. The righteous rise up from the ashes. And so here we see Elijah and he falls into a deep depression in 1 Kings chapter 19. Which is amazing, because if you see Elijah in chapter 18, one thing you'd think about Elijah is, this man, he's on the mountaintop. He'll never be depressed again. Elijah prayed, and what came down out of heaven in 1 Kings 18? The fire fell, and the whole nation seemingly turned back to God. Even Ahab was there. That's what it was. It was a contest, really, between Ahab and the false prophets and Elijah and the true, as a true prophet. And it was Elijah, the true prophet, that called down the fire. And the people then said, the Lord, He is God! The Lord, He is God! And so, at this moment, Elijah feels that the nation is going to turn to God. Ahab, probably Ahab, he probably, Ahab turned back to God. I even heard it out of Ahab's mouth. The Lord, He is God! I heard him say it. Maybe he did. And maybe even Elijah expected all wicked Jezebel to turn back to God. But actually when Ahab went home to Jezebel that night and told him what happened, she sent out a decree. She was really the the king. She was was in control. Ahab was a puppet to Jezebel, it seems. And she says... We're going to, she sent out a messenger and she, and she says in 1 Kings chapter 19, So let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as one of them by tomorrow about this time. She put a death sentence on Elijah's life. And so rather than turn back to the Lord, there's a death sentence. Rather than the whole nation turning back to God, that's what Elijah expected. There's a death sentence on Elijah's life. And with a, a crushed, his, his expectations are crushed. Because he expected the nation had turned back to God, but now he runs for his life, burned out and depressed. And he came to a juniper tree in verse 4. Look at 1 Kings 19, verse 4. And he was so depressed. What is his prayer in verse 4 of 1 Kings 19? Look at that verse. What does he pray to the Lord? What does he ask God? To take away my life. That's how depressed he is. He wants to die. He doesn't want to live anymore. Now, probably some of us have been there. In a room of this size, and we have 32 people on Zoom, by the way, and more than that because I know there's at least 33 people because I know some husbands are out there with their wives, up in Niagara Falls, for example. (laughs) But... The thing is, sometimes we can get really discouraged. Do you know Moses wanted to die? Jonah wanted to die. Elijah, Elijah wanted to die. 
you could make a strong argument that the two greatest men in the Old Testament were Moses and Elijah. And they both came to moments in their life where they wanted to die. Now that's real stuff. And I'm sure you've had some moments like that too. But you don't die. You don't take your life. You don't do that. You don't do God's job. The day of our death is in His hand and not ours. We have to trust in the Lord. But sometimes we can fall into such depression. And really, I believe that one of the great reasons people get depressed is right here. And it's crushed expectations. You expecting God to do something. You're praying about it. You know, I was praying for somebody to come to church today. And they're not here. I really prayed. Because I've been trying to encourage them and by text or phone call to come the last number of weeks and they haven't come. So I said, I'm just going to pray this week. And So God didn't answer my prayers. Now, I'm not to the point of wanting to die over that, but I still, I want God to answer some of my prayers, you know? So what I'm saying is, sometimes our prayers don't get answered. Sometimes we expect a certain thing. And it's, it can be discouraging if we have our expectation really set on something and it doesn't happen. Maybe, maybe it's to have a child when you get married. Maybe it's to, to find the right husband or the right wife. Maybe it's to get that college degree and get a particular job. We, we put our expectations on, on a lot of different things. And when we don't get them, we can fall into depression. And you know what, you know what Elijah's, how the Lord counsels Elijah here? You know what the counsel of God is to Elijah? Or what basically Elijah does, you know what he does? He takes two naps. So sometimes you just need to get, a, get some good sleep. That changes your perspective, right? It does. Change. Sleep is really rejuvenating to perspective as well as to your body. You need to get some rest. Number two, you need to eat some good food. Now, Elijah had two naps and two meals. He ate angel's food. The angel, that's what you call Twinkies, right? Angel, angel's food, angel food cake? Is that Twinkies? I'm just kidding. No, that's not the food you need to eat if you're, if you're depressed. You need to eat some good, healthy food. This was, this was angel food. I, I first thought it must have been Twinkies, but I, I don't think, you know. Imagine the Twinkie in the, out in the desert there. That would have been actually pretty nice. Wash it down with a little Earl Grey tea. That's my new drink of choice now. Not coffee. Earl Grey tea. I love that. With a little honey. The Bible even says drink honey, so I'm putting honey in there. But anyway, he has two, two naps, two meals, eat good, sleep right, and notice he had two touches from the Lord. We need to be touched by the Lord when we're discouraged and depressed. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord came to him the second time and touched him. We need to feel the presence of God in our life. And sometimes we just lose perspective because we're not experiencing God and getting rest and eating good, healthy food. Because, you know, we are, we are a soul with a body. And if your body, you don't take care of your body, it can affect your soul. Your soul can be discouraged. And we're, 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 a, we're a body with a soul. So if, if we don't take care of our soul, it could affect our body. Because we're one person. We're body and soul. So we have to take care of our soul. We need the touch of the Lord. And we have to take care of our body. We need to eat right and we need to take care of our body and sleep. Those are absolute necessities, right? And then, so it says, out of this, Elijah... Went for how long before he had to eat again? Verse number 8. Forty days on, that two, on two naps and two Twinkie meals. Angel food cake. Isn't that amazing? Forty days. And you know the story. He came to Mount Horeb. And there, he, 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 there was the wind, there was the fire, the earthquake. But then there was the what? The still, small voice. The still, small voice. And it was the Lord speaking to Elijah. And you know what basically God told Elijah? In verse number 15, the Lord said unto him, in verse 15, 
The Lord said unto him what? Two words after that. What does it say after him in verse 15? I'm in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 15. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 15. The Lord said unto him, Go and return. There's work to do. There are still 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Stop your pity party. You're not as alone as you think you are. You know, we're getting to a place in our society and culture where it seems that, that the Christians are fewer and farther between. But I'm here to announce to all of us today, we're not as alone as we think we are. There are God's people are still around. Maybe they're not, maybe they're in, in some hole somewhere. We need to go and find them and we need to encourage them to stand, get out, get, get out of your hole and live for Jesus. There are still those who have not followed into this social justice sin of our culture of false justice or going on to all this woke ideology that we hear so much about. There's still those who will follow Jesus Christ. There's still those who believe that He died on the cross and rose again. They just need to be encouraged. And so God says, Elijah, go and return. And, and you're not alone. There's still a work for you to do. There's still those who have not bowed. So I say to us today, let's not be discouraged. Let's not be depressed. Have you fallen down, though, through shattered expectations? And maybe you're in the ashes of depression. I'll say to you today, I have good news for you. The righteous may fall even seven times, but he rises up again out of those ashes. And the last example I want us to see is Acts chapter 14. And this is the Apostle Paul. Acts chapter 14. If you could turn there, please. Acts chapter 14. And... In this, in this chapter, basically, Paul was out on a missionary journey. He's working mightily. I mean, he, he healed a man who was crippled from birth, just as, as Peter had done before him. And Paul is out here with Barnabas, and the miracle was so astounding to the people of a town. They're in a town called Lystra, that they, they thought Paul and Barnabas were gods. And they, they named them. They, they said, wow, Paul and Barnabas... You are gods. And it, and it says here in Acts chapter 14, in verse 12, they were so enamored with the men, they called Barnabas Jupiter, and Paul they called Mercurius, because he was the chief speaker. And, and so they, they, they were ready to do sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas. They, they, were, they were ready to worship them as gods. And that's always a great danger when people want to worship a man. <laughs> Of course, Paul and Barnabas were not going to fall prey to human pride. But it's amazing that these people were so enamored with Paul. They, they, they viewed Paul and Barnabas as some deity. But you know, people, will want to, people who, worship, who will want to worship you one minute, they won't, they'll stone you the next. That's what this passage tells us. <laughs> so always be wary of people who flatter you. <laughs> Because what happens is the Jewish people from the previous towns Paul had gone to, they came to Lystra where Paul was, and they stirred up the people of Lystra to, to go against Paul. And that's what it says in Acts chapter 14. If you look there in verse 19, please, and read that with me. Acts 14, verse 19. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium. Now that's, that's where Paul had just gone previous. If you read in chapter 13, you'll see when he went to Antioch and Iconium. And it says they persuaded the people of that town they were in called Lystra, and they stoned Paul. Isn't that something? One minute they want to worship him, and now they're stoning him. <laughs> people are really fickle. <laughs> and they stoned Paul. Now, when Jewish people stone you, they've got a pretty high percent, percent rate, right? I mean, it's like if you get stoned by a, a group of Jewish people, it's like, what percentage do you think it is you'll die? You're dead. It's like a hundred. <laughs> I mean, it, it says they, but they supposed that he had died. <coughs> if there was ever a guy who was down, and in the, it, it, down and down for the count, one, two, three, four, they drag him out of the city. And it says they stoned him, supposing he had been dead. Maybe he had. I don't know. Some people, of course, think he went into the third heavens at this time. Could be. Don't know, wasn't there, but it says they supposed he had been dead. And all of a sudden, the disciples got around Paul, and it says, verse 20, he rose up. He rose up. 
out of the ashes of near death or death itself. He rose up and he went to the hospital. I got, I got to see the doctor, man. I got, I got a headache. Is that what he did? No, he didn't even make a beeline to the hospital. He didn't go to urgent care. It's like, Paul, maybe go to urgent care before you do anything else. Get a checkup. Make sure. You might have some internal, internal damage to one of your organs or whatever. Oh. It says he rose up and you know what he did? He went right back in the city where he got stoned. Hey, yo, I'm alive. Can you imagine? Oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. We thought we just dragged you out there. No, I'm alive. Paul went right back into that same city. That's what you call courage. That's what you call being unashamed of the gospel. And not only did he, did he go back to, to Lystra where they stoned him, it says he returned again. He came into the city. The next day with Barnabas, he departed to Derby. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra. They went, so he went back into Lystra. The second time he went back. And then he went back to Iconium. Now, who was from, in Iconium? The Jewish people who had came to Lystra that, tried to, that, that got the people to stone him. And then it says, then he, went, then he went back to Antioch. Who was in Antioch? Other Jewish people that got Paul stoned. And if you look in a map, and I, I preached a sermon on this where Paul takes the long way home. If you look at a map of where Paul was, he, he like grew up like right over here in Tarsus. He could have just left this area of, of Lystra and just gone home over here to where, where he grew up. But he didn't. He took the long way home and he went back to each of these towns that had plotted where he got stoned and then took the long way home uh, 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 on, by sea and so forth. It's amazing. So, when you've fallen down through persecution, maybe you're surrounded by people who don't like your faith. Maybe your family is giving you a hard time because you're living for Jesus Christ. Maybe your brother, your sister, your mother, your father are even disappointed that you've become a Christian and you're following Jesus Christ. I understand that if that's you. I've had a family to some extent that's, that has not embraced me because of my faith. And I understand the pain and the hurt that it can bring. But we must rise up and we must still live to, to strengthen and reinforce the faith of others. Because what I see in this passage is that Paul has a passion. He has a passion to preach the Gospel in verse number 21. You see where it says, and he preached the Gospel to that city. And he had a passion to confirm believers in the faith and to see them strengthened to keep on serving the Lord in verse 22. It says, He confirmed the souls of the disciples and exhorted them to continue in the faith that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Life is very hard. We need the Lord. So, beloved, the righteous rise up from the ashes. I mentioned what I was going to preach to one of the doormen at 633 3rd Avenue, and he immediately knew when I said the righteous rise up from the ashes. You know what he immediately said to me? And I already had studied it out. The, the phoenix. You ever, have, you ever, have any of you thought about the rise of the phoenix from the ashes in any part of this message? Have you thought of it? Nobody? Okay, that's all right. So I thought of this because there's an old legend found in ancient mythologies of various nations and cultures. It's a legend, a mythical bird. It doesn't exist. The bird does not exist. It's called a phoenix. And it has red and yellow feathers. It's a powerful bird like an eagle, but it's beautiful like a peacock. And it's, it's mighty. They say in the legend that it can fly with elephants in its claws. You know, the phoenix is so strong. It can, its tears can heal wounds. And it flies and it's covered with fire, as this picture kind of shows. It's the phoenix. But its most notable trait is its immortality. It lives for 500 years. And after 500 years of life, the phoenix feels a, its strength waning. So what it does is it builds a nest for itself and it burns itself to the ashes. The phoenix, in the legend, burns itself to the ashes. 
And from, but from that pile of ashes, a new phoenix is born and a new phoenix rises up out of the ashes. And a lot of people throughout time and history have, have used this story to give them hope of rebirth, of a new beginning, of, of, of coming back from victory or, or defeat, like I'm preaching to you today. But the hope, but the reality is, is this isn't true. There's no phoenix bird. The bird doesn't exist. And a bird can't burn itself up. And a bird can't rise out of the ashes. And so people are just holding to some kind of a myth and legend for, for, for strength. But it's, it's not true. But I'm here to say today, every story I've told you from the Word of God is true. There are actual real people. And I could give you probably a whole lot more. Maybe you've thought of others that, that I'm not dealing with. But of course, they all remind us of our Lord Jesus Christ Himself, who went to the cross for our sins, and who was dead. And then when they put Him in a tomb, they sealed the tomb. One, two, three, four, five. Sealed with the tomb. Roman soldiers outside. Six, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> an earthquake. <laughs> the stone is rolled away. And look inside. He is risen from the dead. And because He is risen, you can rise when you fall by His strength, by His power. Let's pray. Let's stand together as we pray. Are you in darkness like Joseph? And faced abuse? Are you in defeat like Joshua? Are you in distress like David and have suffered great loss? Are you in depression like Elijah with crushed expectations? Do you feel like death like Paul because of persecution of your own faith? Beloved, rise up from the ashes. Because the fruit of your life is a tree of life in this world. And you will flourish as a fruitful branch. Rise up from the ashes. Rise up from the ashes because your lips will be used by God to feed many. Rise up from the ashes because your life and testimony is a strong foundation to those who are wavering and weak around you. Rise up from the ashes because God hears the prayers of the righteous and His ears are open to their call. Rise up from the ashes because you're as bold as a lion. So you must rise if you've fallen down because the Lord will lift you up with His nail-scarred hands of love. How many would say, Pastor Matt, I feel that I've fallen but by the grace of God I'm not going to stay down. I'm going to rise up and live for the Lord and love the Lord and serve the Lord for He is good, a stronghold in the day of my trouble. Can I see your hand today? Say, Pastor Matt, just pray for me. Yes, I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand. Yes. And I want to encourage our young people, our teenagers here today. Your schools are going to be like a lion's den that they're going to try to tear down your faith. Be strong in the Lord. Let the Lord fill you with His Spirit. And when you feel discouraged or down, encourage yourself in the Lord. Maybe in your school, there's not going to be anyone there to encourage you. You're just going to have to go to God. And you and God are going to find the encouragement. And He'll be enough. He'll be enough for you. Rise up from the ashes. Say, Lord, give me strength of Your Spirit. As we sing this song, in just a moment, if you need to step out of your seat and come and just pray, you may feel free to definitely do that. Or if you just want to step out now, and just come and pray and ask the Lord to raise you up from your darkness, from your defeat, from your depression, from your distress. If you've been suicidal in any way, 
Make sure you get help and talk to someone even here today. We're not here to judge you. We're here to help you. The Lord will help you. He will deliver you from six troubles, yea, even seven. He will deliver you and raise you up. Thank you, Lord. Is there anyone here today who say, Pastor Matt, I'm not saved. If I were to die today, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven, but I really want to know I need salvation in Jesus Christ. I need to be born again. I need to be sure I'm on my way to heaven by faith in Jesus Christ. Can I see your hand? Is there anyone who just say, pray for me, Pastor Matt? Is there anyone at all? So, Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.